everybody. Welcome to a special 2018 Los Angeles Auto Show episode of Talking Cars. I'm Mike Monticello. I'm Keith Barry. And I'm Gabe Shanhar. So while we were here at the LA Auto Show, we had a little meetup with some of our Talking Cars podcast fans, and we had a great time last night. It was really great to it meet them. Great, yeah. And we're hoping to do more of these in the future. So thank you for coming. Now, why don't we get to talking about some cars here at the show? So guys, we spent the last couple days attending press conferences and checking out all the latest and greatest cars revealed here. And I kind of got a little bit of a David and Goliath theme. You know, there was a lot of small fuel efficient cars, but also some, you know, pretty big SUVs and even a Jeep pickup. Is that is that a fair assessment, Gabe? Yeah, it's uh, pretty much uh, uh, small cars. Uh, and then uh, it's uh, all the way up to uh, large SUVs and expensive high-end cars. Yeah. So you're right. So let's, let's start with the small cars and let's start with the Toyota Prius, uh, redesigned. Uh, and also, you know, it's, it's one of our favorite hybrids and a very popular hybrid, but the one thing people have been asking for that they, Toyota hadn't delivered on was all-wheel drive. And this new one has all-wheel drive. Keith, I'm gonna start with you. Yeah. You've had Priuses in the past. You're a big fan of the Toyota Prius. What do you think of the new car? Well, I think that the, the main thing that they changed on it was the design. And, you know, regardless of what the market is for small cars, for cars that aren't crossovers, for fuel-efficient cars, and we know that's slow selling, uh, they're definitely, the last design was polarizing. I happen to like it, but I realize that that is, I was, you know, in a group of one. Right. So I think all-wheel drive. Two. Well, you liked right. it as well. Yeah, and okay. oh, every man. time we drive behind a Prius at night, particularly, especially the Prime. Yeah, the yeah. Prime. Uh, that my wife me says like the those taillights have got to go, and I oh, argue I like with it. her. I like it, <laughs> but the new one, I think, I think that you know, I think your wife is going to like it. I think every, you know, aside from us, the other ninety-eight percent of people out there are going to are going to like the look of it more. All-wheel drive helps. Right. Um, always, obviously, always get snow tires. Um, the one thing about it that I think is a big omission for twenty nineteen is no CarPlay, no Android Auto. And that's that's big. I, I think that that's a, especially when you have so many other strong hybrids out there, plug-in hybrids and EVs, that it's just enough to get people uh, to think of something else. Yeah. yeah. Gabe, Gabe, what do you think about the new Prius? Uh, I think I'm um, a little sad to see the avant-garde styling uh, being toned down, uh, but I think all-wheel drive is a, 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 thing that they needed for a long time, especially in our area in Snowbelt, uh, particularly with, uh, with the upfront torque of the electric drive that makes driving in snow, especially right. like on a curvy uphill, uh, really tricky with, with the current Prius. But it's still supposed to get, uh, they say, 50 miles a gallon. So it would, uh, so, it would yeah, make it the best, best fuel economy of any hybrid all-wheel drive in the U.S. Um, very possibly. Yeah. We'll, we'll see when we test we'll it. See. I mean, I would expect yeah. a drop of one or two MPG overall. Right. Yeah. So let's stay with Toyota and talk about the new Corolla. You know, we've already tested mm. the Corolla hatchback, which was kind of the precursor to the Corolla sedan. The Corolla sedan currently tops our, you know, small our small car ratings. Uh, tell us about this new Corolla game. So the new Corolla is uh, based on uh, Toyota's uh, current architecture, what they call uh, the uh, TNGA, uh, Toyota New Global Architecture. Uh, it shares it with a lot of uh, models like the, the RAV4, the Prius as well. Uh, anyway, that uh, platform is uh, more substantial. It, you really uh, liked it when you drove the, the hatchback, right? Yeah, the hatchback drives really nicely. It handles uh, great. It hand yeah. The handling, the brake feel, the steering, all of that is really nicely dialed in. Um, I would hope, though, that the sedan doesn't ride as stiffly as the hatchback right. and that uh, it doesn't sit so low that getting in and out is such a pain. And yeah. is the big news the hybrid? Or, I mean, it's basically the Toyota Prius architecture, 
you know, underneath the Corolla body. Yeah, it's the same electric drive from the Prius, and uh, that was a long time coming too, because in other markets, Toyota had been offering uh, the uh, the Corolla or under any other name as uh, a hybrid as well. So it's about time. And plus, yeah. I mean, you're not gonna. I mean, Honda and Toyota compete so closely. So if Honda has a Civic hybrid, which is now inside, an inside yep. exactly, then. Toyota is it's a must for Toyota to yeah. have a Corolla yeah. hybrid. All right, let's let's move on to the new Mazda 3. Uh, redesigned and you know, as before, still a sedan and a hatchback. Mm. And let's start with the styling first because I think we've got a little disagreement here. I mm. love the new hatchback. I love styling. disagreement. <laughs> I know you do. I love the way the new hatchback looks. <clears throat> I think it looks fantastic, but I believe you guys aren't quite I'm out on Monty's Island ha on have this you, one. Have you have you sat in it? I have. Have you sat in it? How was the rear visibility? I only was looking ahead. Okay. Yeah. I think that's I think that's probably what it's going to feel like. Yeah. Uh, it's it a, does have a big a seat pillar. No question. Yeah. There's a big seat pillar. It's yeah. more like a I can't see pillar. Hi oh. Yeah. Uh, for the record, I usually oh. like the hatchback versions almost in everything, but this time in this case with the three, I think the sedan looks so much yeah. better. Very elegant. Very uh, uncluttered. Right. With flowing lines not needing any design cliches of all kinds of uh, weird shapes that don't really gel into anything. But the hatchback, uh, there's something from a certain angle, mm -hmm. from a, especially from rear three-quarter angle, something off about it. That's yeah. chunky seat I like it. pillar I like it. and yeah. that narrow rear window. Let's move something... on from styling real quick and talk yeah. about what Mazda's trying to do with this, this three. They're trying to move it up market. They're saying that, it, that they think it's a car that can bridge the gap between regular compact cars and entry-level luxury cars like the Audi A3. Gabe, do you think it's got a chance of doing that? Um, on the merits of the car, Probably. Yeah. I mean, the, the Mazda 3 has always been a little bit of more of an upmarket uh, kind of car and uh, in, uh, in the compact uh, arena. And uh, if they uh, succeed in, in transforming it uh, to a very substantial, quiet, uh, comfortable riding kind of a car like they did with the freshening for the Mazda 6, it has a chance. But after all, in the real world, we know that brand plays a major role. So right. if you want an Audi, you want an Audi. You're right. not going to look at a Mazda. True. Are there enough people out there to buy a sedan? That well, you know what? Gonna, yeah. That was one of the things that Mazda told us yesterday. They, they said, you know, we don't mind taking some of the uh, people who, you know, won't be able to buy certain Ford and General Motors sedans yeah, anymore. Yeah. We'll take them over to us. Real quick, uh, Skyactiv X. Uh, mild hybrid is coming, but not when it first comes out. Uh, for now, it's just going to be a single 2.5-liter uh, four-cylinder engine with 186 horsepower. Pretty much a carryover over the current. Exactly. Car. And but the diesel is supposedly coming too, right? Well, they mm. won't talk about that. Okay. And, uh, and still, and you can still US. get a six-speed manual transmission. Yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah. So let's move on to stay with the small cars. Kia Soul and Kia Soul EV redesigned versions were unveiled mm. here. Keith, what do you think of these cars? Yeah, so uh, I get a chance to spend a little bit of time with them. It's still definitely a Kia look. I think people buy the Soul because it, it feels practical, but it's a little funky. It's you yeah. know, it's not feeling like I'm buying the thing that, that checks off all the right boxes. It checks off all the right boxes, and it also um, it, it also gives you a little bit of a personality. And, and they really leaned on that heavy in the press conference. I mean, they gave it mood lighting. They gave it a bunch of different trim levels. And, but those are the things that make a car kind of feel special. It makes it feel like your car. And what about the guinea pigs? Uh, well, I, I think they're, they're, hamsters. <laughs> they're hamsters, and I think they're gone. Yeah. I think they're gone. Um, we're the we're the guinea pigs who test these things yeah. out. Um, the one good thing about it is that we had some issues with fuel economy and acceleration, right. especially with the base engine. Right. That engine's gone. Okay. They've um, they've given it a little more power. 
Um, they've they've uh, given it a different transmission. They've gotten rid of that six-speed automatic, which is a little antiquated. They've also brought out a new Soul EV that's supposed to get around 230 miles on a single charge. So depending upon the price on those, right. I think it's going to be a, a, a real cool competitor right. for people who would have otherwise maybe bought a, a taller crossover. And that's that range is key because, you know, we've hit this point where if you're not 200 plus miles of range, mm -hmm. there's really no bother even bringing the car out. So at least they have, you know, yeah. appar apparently legitimate range. Yeah. I mean, combined Hyundai Kia, they, they have like a three-pronged attack on the EV market with about 230, 240 mile range. One is mm -hmm. a Kia Soul EV, then the Nero EV, and then it's the, um, the Hyundai Kona. The Hyundai Kona EV. EV. Yeah, and they're all, so, all three right. of them are here. So right. that's there's your there's your uh, David. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so let's move on to some of the bigger vehicles that hmm. were uh, debuted here, and let's start with the Hyundai Palisade. Uh, you know, this is an all-new three-row SUV. It's a little bit bigger than the Santa Fe XL. Um, and it's you know pretty bold styling and really nice interior too. Uh, a very simple to use one-touch uh, second row seat operation to get mm. into the third row. Uh, Dave, what what do you think of this thing? Yeah, uh, I mean, first of all, the, the Palisade has a really uh, strong presence on the road. That grill, that yeah. uh, you know, chunky, huge seat grill pillar, uh, and but. The, more importantly, the details inside I and mean, the access to the third row seat. I mean, the, the button that you press on top or at the bottom for a little kid that uh, has a hard yeah, time reaching up. Yeah, what's so cool is up. you just touch it and, and then it yeah. does it all for you. You don't right. have to keep and, touching and it or anything. And exactly. they know their market. Slides and yeah. it, uh, it and, and gives you a lot of room to get in. It gives you a nice footpath to right. get in there. Also, they have a dedicated spot for the rear cargo cover under yeah. the cargo floor in the back. So a lot of nice details. One thing I'm a little dismayed about is the gear selector, which is a push-button right. thing that uh, we're, we're not. We're usually about. not fans of those. What I, I sat in the back row, the third row, and there's plenty of headroom, but the seat is pretty low. Uh, I'm sure to get that headroom. It seems to me they could have had the seat a little higher. In this case, it, it causes quite a bit of knee bend, and the armrests back there are just hard plastic. So it's kind mm. of a little bit of a bummer. But otherwise, it seems like it's going to be a really nice. It's for vehicle. carpooling. Yeah. You put yeah, the, exactly. the neighbor's kids back there. It seems right. like a yeah. strong competitor to a Highlander and a Pilot. Totally think so. I also, one, one last thing about it, yeah. I love the fact with the audio system, they give you the, the sleep mode so you can listen up front right. and uh, and shut off all the speakers in the back so the kids can stay asleep. Yeah. Or you can, like in some of the minivans you've seen, you can actually talk to the people in the back row with a microphone like you play bus driver. Yeah. You know, hey, stop, put your, you know, leave your brother alone. All right. Yeah. Kind of cool. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the Lincoln Aviator that was debuted. Mm. This is a vehicle that they, you know, have shown as a concept a couple times, uh, and this is a new rear-wheel drive architecture for them that we think is probably also going to serve the next Ford Explorer. Although Ford hasn't, you know, officially said that yet, but that's right. what we think is going to happen. Mm. And this is another vehicle with some presence. Uh, what did you did you get a chance to take a look? At the I got I got a little time with it. Um, it it feels like the most solid effort from Lincoln in a long time. And you know, sort of some of the the, the chatter I've seen on Twitter and other places, people are saying, oh, it's you know, it's a finally, it's a it's an American luxury SUV that isn't the Navigator or the Escalade that isn't right. a, a a giant full size. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's in between what's going to be called the Nautilus, the Lincoln Nautilus, and the full size Navigator. Yeah, and we don't know pricing on it, but it's probably going to be more expensive than the. Grand Cherokee, less expensive than a Range Rover. Uh, but the, the thing that I think really matters is does the Lincoln brand have enough cachet with right. buyers in order to get them to pay that premium for that right. for that SUV? Because I think people are buying a Navigator because it's a Navigator, right. not because it's a Lincoln. Well, one and one of the coolest things about it, though, yeah. is that you can get this Grand Touring version, which is a plug-in hybrid mm -hmm. with 450 horsepower and 600 pound-feet of torque. Yeah. What do you think of that thing, that's, Gabe? Uh, that's going to lend itself very nicely to towing. 
up that the standard engines is short on towing ability. And I think that uh, might cannibalize into navigator sales Absolutely. because Absolutely. that uh, aviator looks so much better and it's so much more contemporary than the clumsy navigator. Yet you still have, it seems like as nice of an interior as you have in the navigator. So oh, you're really not losing really anything. It's really swanky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's move on uh, a little smaller, the Honda Passport. This is based on the Honda Pilot, uh, but instead of being a three-row SUV, it's a two-row SUV, and they kind of went more of a rugged look for it. They're trying to kind of say that it has more off-road capabilities. It has a little less, you know, a rear overhang and an inch more ground clearance. Uh, are you buying the off-road roadiness of this, Gabe? Or? Uh, not entirely. I mean, they, they want to really uh, have a connection to Honda's uh, power equipment and ATVs, and uh, they think that they're losing so customers to uh, the likes of uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee and Toyota 4Runner. But I think... Uh, uh, it's more of a competitor to a Ford Edge and Nissan Murano, and most of them are not going to care one bit about off-road ability. They just want a two-row SUV that's roomy, that isn't a soccer mobile like the Pilot, and larger than the CRV. Yeah. I, 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 anecdotally, I've heard a lot of people tell me, you know, out there who really aren't into cars, who are just shopping, and they say, "Well, I really like the Pilot, and I like Hondas, but the CRV is too small, and the and the and the Pilot's too big." Right. And honestly, I've sat in the back seat of both of them, and and in the back seat of the Passport, there's plenty of room. Passport is, pl yeah, yeah, plenty of room. Plenty and you're right, the Pilot does feel big. It especially feels big mm. for the driver when you're driving it. And so maybe this one will feel a little more nimble. Maybe. Yeah, people love their SUVs and crossovers right. now, and I guess might as well. Give, give folks another one and while you know while gas prices are cheap and people are buying them right well let's move on to something a little different the 2020 uh, Jeep Gladiator now this is basically a Wrangler unlimited pickup as a five-foot pickup bed um, and I mean this is something that has been talked about for a while and yeah. finally the production version is here Keith I'll start with you what do you think of this uh, I mean it's it's hard to come up with an original thought about it because we've been anticipating it for so Forever. long. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's like it's finally here. It's like the NSX. It's right. one of those cars that just, you know, oh, there it is. I mean, there it is. It's right behind yeah. us. Um, I think, I mean, it's cool. The cool factor is there. I think it'll sell. I think it's probably pretty easy for them to make it. Uh, it gets a lot of buzz for, you know, for the, for the Wrangler, for the Jeep brand. The Jeep brand is hot. Right. Um, I think... Uh, who's gonna buy one? Uh, That's the sure. question. I yeah. mean, it's still gonna drive almost for sure like a Wrangler, which means it's not gonna be a very good on-road mm. vehicle. It'll have amazing off-road abilities. Uh, what do you, right. who, what do you that, see buying this thing, Gabe? Yeah, that matters uh, less than the fact that it has all that uh, Jeep cachet. And uh, uh, the category of mid-sized pickup truck is uh, starting to uh, resurrect uh, right. Right. with uh, the with uh, Colorado and um, Ranger and whatnot. Uh, and this gives and, FCA and a dog in the fight. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, FCA could have done another uh, Dakota, but mm. I mean, wh who would care about that? Right. You know, mm. you just take the right. regular. They'd have to call it the Dakota because it's uh, <laughs> the Dodge, the alliteration, it's gone. So yeah, yeah you, you turn the, the Wrangler into a pickup truck right. and, and you have mm. an instant hit there. Right. Uh, 285 horsepower, six cylinder, or a 260 horsepower turbo diesel six cylinder. Eight-speed automatic, and still you can get it with a six-speed manual um, on sale in the spring of 2019. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, some kind of notable mentions, cars that don't quite fit into you know our David and Goliath theme, but I think are still very important to see our readers and, and to us as well. Um, let's start with the BMW 3 Series. Gabe, I know you're a big fan of the brand. Tell us about the new 3 Series and what people can expect from it. 
yeah, so a new BMW 3 Series is uh, another generation of uh, sports sedan icon and uh, it's uh, more technologically advanced. It's, uh, the interior is much nicer, much more sophisticated. Uh, the the um, iDrive infotainment system is another iteration, another generation of it. So uh, we can uh, expect a pretty strong competitor. First out is the M340i, and, and then other more mainstream versions will, will roll. Yeah. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm pretty anxious to, to drive it. Already. It's exciting because the 3 Series has been for a long time kind of the go-to you know, compact car for people who really are into driving, you know, and hopefully that's still going to remain yeah, the same. Yeah, and with the with last generation, it lost a little bit a of little its bit, uh, right. handling agility and, and gave way to the cars like the Alfa Giulia and the Jaguar, uh, what is it, F-Type or you are the Jaguar? The XE. Yeah, the yeah. XE, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he has uh, one. The right. stellar XE. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, uh, BMW claims that they kind of got that back, but will right. be the judges. Let's move on to another icon. I mean, when you talk about icons, you talk about the Porsche 911. And so they had the brand new Porsche 911 here. A couple interesting things. Uh, the 911 now going forwards will be all turbocharged engines. So there's no more naturally aspirated engines like they've had in the past. Still a six cylinder. Here, they didn't talk about the base model. They talked about the Carrera S, which has uh, 443 horsepower. So it's pretty powerful. You can still get it with a manual transmission, which is very important. Mm -hmm. uh, Keith, what'd you think of the car? Well, I was hoping you weren't going to call on me for this one. I've been doing that. I've been doing all the. Uh, I've been doing all the Davids, none of the Goliaths. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, but, then we'll turn it over still, to our. No, I will say. I will say. I was the inside of the car. Uh, that black plastic. That kind of like the Cayenne. Right? Yeah, and and I and I think that that takes away from a lot of the sort of driver-focused experience. The design is there, but I don't think people buy a 911 in order to get a ton of touchscreens in their face. Right. And I think that takes a bit a bit away from it. So I think that was you know it might be in line with where they're going as far as uh, their infotainment design language is concerned. But I think it's I think it's uh, I think it's a, a distraction. Yeah, Gabe, so, what do you think? Yeah. I know you're a big fan of the 911. Yeah, uh, I'm, I am indeed, and uh, it's another evolution of the 911. I mean, it's taking the 911 uh, to a much more upmarket kind of place. Uh, I mean, this is going to be like a $120,000 car, yeah. so you're going to see less manual transmissions, uh, more automatics, uh, nicer interior. Um, people more, buying them as investments. More, yeah, and more, more creature comforts. Uh, and. Um, but, uh, you know, a 911 is a 911. It's, right. a, it's, a, it's a timepiece. It's, well, uh, let's get to probably the biggest question that I think everyone's going to be asking, and for sure I'm asking, Gabe, are we going to buy one for a test fleet? Uh, we're going to have to uh, really think about that. I think the, there, there is an expectation there that uh, if it's a Corvette or a 911, we're probably going to test it. Uh, so That sounds awesome. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to one more car, uh, the Audi e-tron GT concept. Keith, I'm going to throw it to you because I know you covered this car. Yeah. So tell us a little <clears throat> bit about this uh, all-electric car from Audi. So this is uh, this is one of the first real serious uh, Tesla competitors. Right. It's still it a concept. There. It's still a, it's yeah. It's still a concept, but it is based on this. The, this is the so there are two e-trons now. Uh, there's the e-tron which is actually going to go on sale, which we saw earlier. The e-tron GT is a sedan, right. uh, and it looks amazing. It has a tremendous amount of presence. It's basically the uh, the Porsche Taycan. 
again in a slightly different form. Uh, fast charging, a whole new fast charging network that's right. that's coming up that's funded by um, by Volkswagen as part of the Dieselgate settlement, right. and that's going to give electrify the, America exactly. It's yep. going to give all the other EVs that are coming out basically something uh, you know uh, an equivalent to the Tesla supercharger network. Yeah. And I think that this is going to be a car that's really going to catch a lot of. I mean, depending upon how it's priced, it's not a mass market car, right. but it's really cool. And I think that uh, it's one of the cars that I heard the most chatter about right. at the show. 590 horsepower, all-wheel drive. Yeah. Uh, they're saying a range of around 250 miles. Uh, Gabe, I'll give you the final word on this car. What it looks gorgeous, yeah. uh, and it's going to probably drive wonderfully. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, the interior is, is going to be gorgeous. Uh, and um, it's it's going to be a really a serious challenger to uh, a Tesla Model S. Finally, it's like in the mold of that kind of four-door uh, coupe uh, mm. configuration, and it looks sexy. And it's going to be a guilt-free, no emission, all-wheel drive. So, uh, what's not to like here? Okay. All right, before we wrap it up here, guys, regardless of any car we've already talked about, I want to hear your favorite cars from the show. All right, so I can actually see my favorite. It's right over there. It's the Rivian. Uh, it's a new pickup truck. It's electric. A new SUV. It's electric. Uh, and it kind of gives a, it's sort of, you know, it's a startup company. Um, but the idea of an electric pickup truck doesn't have quite the mile, you know, the, the, the range of something like a, you know, souped up Model X. But it allows you to kind of tread lightly if you're going to be doing tasks, you know, outside. I could see like the National Park Service buying it. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a cool idea. We've heard a lot about it. And yeah. it'll be interesting to see another startup car company succeed. That's what I was going to say. It'll yeah. be really interesting. It's still a, a couple years out before they're saying they're going to have a production version. Exactly. But it will be interesting to see can they really make it happen? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Gabe, let's go to you. What's, what was your favorite car? Yeah, I usually like to have a favorite car that's a real car. It's a real production car, <laughs> but uh, I can't help it. But uh, the Audi e-tron GT is, uh, is my favorite car. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. Why not? Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm gonna. You know, I like to give more for everyone's money, so I'm gonna go with two cars on opposite ends of the spectrum. I love the new 911. I think it looks fantastic. I love how they continue to evolve that shape, but it still always looks like a 911. Uh, and I really love the way the new uh, Mazda 3 hatchback looks. I don't care oh, if you guys, I don't care oh, if you guys it to keep us. me out on my island, but uh, oh. I thought that that car looks fantastic. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode. If you want to learn more about the cars we talked about today, you can click on the links in the show notes. Uh, and don't forget to send those questions, comments, and 30-second video clips to talkingcars at iCloud.com. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.